In this episode, we're going to talk about what managers need to know about engagement surveys. But I'm not doing this alone. No, I have a guest with me and his name is Sri Shalapa. He's the president and co-founder of Engagely, a people strategy management software that redefines performance management, employee engagement and development to enable organizations to build highly engaged, high performance teams. And I'm pretty sure that sounds intriguing to both you and I. Shri has spent over 20 years leading organizations in technology and consulting in the United States. He had two business exits. He is a Forbes contributor, a top 50 tech visionary, and recognized as a Titan 100 in the St. Louis business district. And as a fun fact, Shri is also a filmmaker, having made seven feature films and documentaries, and currently runs a music production studio as well, working with bands and indie artists in the St. Louis region. I'm excited to have him here. He has a unique perspective on engagement surveys in general and engagement management, performance management, since he does this for a living with his company and he therefore gets a lot of data, but also talks to HR all the time about the employee lifecycle and how to increase the experience employees have in the workplace. And as leaders, this is a really important topic to think about. We're not keeping it highly conceptual and philosophical here. Shri actually shares with us a couple of tools in this episode that you can immediately implement and things to be on the lookout for to detect disengagement early on and be able to be on it and address it proactively. There are different ways to do this. Now, we did have a few technical issues when recording the podcast. So if you notice that the sound isn't as clear and as good as it usually is, then I apologize in advance. This is on me. And I know this episode gave our editor a bit of a hard time. So thanks for sticking with it. And without further ado, let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role? Build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. I have Sri Chalapa with me, and I'm excited to talk to him about engagement surveys, performance management, and much more. Sri, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ramona. It's a pleasure to be on this show. So you started a company called Engagely. Um, and I was just telling you that, in fact, I was really talking to a couple of clients about engagement surveys and interpreting the data of engagement surveys and realizing or using this data to identify any gaps in terms of leadership development. And that's the time that we connected. And I thought, you know what, rather than just me talking to you offline or on one-on-one basis, I'd love to bring you on the podcast because I think this conversation is going to be really, really helpful for anyone in a company or as a people leader, but also for people who work in organizations where they do run engagement service. Now, I'm really curious, what brought you to this space? What intrigued you to build a business in that particular area? Yeah. So my background has been in consulting before this. I was in uh, Big Four for nine years, uh, roughly, and then I did another IT consulting services organization for another nine years. Mm -hmm. uh, so because I had the wide variety of experience of working with different clients who were in different industry sectors, different sizes, all the way from Fortune 500 to, you know, startups. Uh, one of the things I noticed a lot really is that 
there's a lot of disengagement in organizations and managers sometimes are not even aware of it. And the employees leave or they are underperforming or they are not actively engaged in their work. So they're not getting the right uh, output from them. So that is an ongoing problem that has persisted for, you know, decades or longer, right? And when my partner in this startup had an idea for building an engagement platform, uh, I really gravitated towards that idea because I felt like there was a huge opportunity there to uh, really change the way we work. Obviously, this, that was seven years ago, and we are seeing that that's really the case. So we obviously, you know, bet on the right thing in that context. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Engagely does and how you're servicing the clients? So Engagely is a platform, right? So it's a software that drives better engagement within organizations. And engagement means multiple things. So to me, the engagement really is about every touch point that you have with an employee is a engagement with an employee. And that can drive engagement from the employee. So we look at multiple areas of engagement, you know, uh, from directly rewards and recognition and engagement surveys, which obviously are the ones that commonly are part of the engagement tools. But we also look at performance management, uh, learning and development, because those things also drive better engagement. So our platform really allows organizations that are very people-centric to take a focus towards building a more holistic approach to driving engagement rather than looking at narrowly from only one aspect like perks or recognition, yeah. things like that. So. So a much more broader approach, we believe it's a more effective approach because you can have all the perks and all of that, but if the employee is not learning or developing in their role, they're going to suffer from disengagement. If they're not having good conversations about their performance and getting good feedback, they're going to suffer from engagement issues as well. So we need to look at it more holistically. A moment ago, you said sometimes managers don't even know that there's disengagement on a team. What are some of the red flags or signals that listeners who are leading people should pay attention to to figure out, even if they don't run engagement surveys or if they do, but want to have a closer pulse on it or be closer to how people are feeling, what should they be paying attention to? Yeah. So let's talk about when you do engagement service. So when you do engagement service, a manager typically gets a blind data, which means that they don't know what each individual specifically said. They typically get an aggregate information across their team. So it can give them an overall perception of the engagement across the team, but it's, it shouldn't give indications on who specifically said what, uh, mm -hmm. if you run the engagement survey right. So that's obviously a more broader spectrum. They get an understanding of how the team is uh, doing on the engagement aspects of, you know, development, leadership, their own own, own work, on organization, things like that. However, there are, at the individual level, there are many indications that actually tell you whether the employee is engaged or not. It's usually the delta that you should focus on. You know, were they doing certain things six months ago and now they're not doing those things anymore? For example, were they showing up in all your meetings? They were doing showing up for your team events. They were returning your emails and calls in a very timely fashion. And suddenly that behavior has dipped. Uh, so there's a baseline, right? Some people are just notorious for not responding to emails for a day or two at a time. And so that's their baseline. So you got to know what the baseline is. And then if there's a change in the baseline on the behaviors, there's probably some disengagement going on there, or either they're way too busy and they're not able to respond. You know, that could be other aspects, but that's a very good early indicator. For example, mm -hmm. you know, there was a situation in my organization. We used to have team events, you know, I live uh, near the stadium. So we would have, you know, grilling and stuff before the game. And uh, we would have team events. And then suddenly one employee would keep declining those team events. And then I ended up calling that employee directly, even though the person didn't re report directly to me, she was uh, two or three levels down. 
had a good conversation with her. And then I could tell that there was some level of disengagement. And I don't know if it was because of the role itself that person had, or maybe it was the career that she wanted to have. But regardless, you know, that was a good indication that there was some problem there. Uh, ultimately, it turned out that, you know, it was the role and, you know, there was a different role that uh, the individual wanted. And uh, six months later, she turned in her papers. So that was basically very early indicators that I could tell. So if you have a keen eye and awareness for your environment uh, of how people change in their behaviors, I think that's a really good indication typically of uh, whether the person is getting disengaged or not. But the opposite is also true. If they show better behaviors after a certain time frame of disengagement they may have had, that also shows that they, maybe they're more engaged now because maybe they're working on something that's a lot more interesting. Maybe they have a better manager now because you know maybe you became the manager and they're really loving that space. So there's, if you're seeing more proactive actions, that's an indication of uh, better engagement as well. So it can go bo swing both ways. So I think the key here is to look at the variability in behavior over a period of time. Of time. That's such a good point. And I think that sometimes managers hold back. If they see an increase in engagement, it's probably a good, good moment to let them know that you're noticing it and that you're seeing it. And at the same time, if you're seeing that reduction in engagement to bring it up early on and to say, hey, I noticed some changes. Like, what do you want to talk about? What's going on? What is challenging for you? What do you enjoy? What do you not enjoy? And um, asking them open questions, not necessarily yeah. to say you seem disengaged, but to say, I see changes in behaviors. For example, you used to do this, you're no longer doing this. I see you that way, but I haven't seen you in a while. And, and then asking these open questions, so you can catch it early. Absolutely. Nobody rings a bell when somebody is disengaged. Okay. You got to go and find that out. So yeah. you got to go and ask those questions when you see those delta in the behaviors. And it needs to be very open-ended questions. It can be like a yes or no questions as well, because you really mm -hmm. want the employee to open up and ask their questions too. The other way to understand also, if you sense some disengagement, you know, one of the things that I've started doing a lot more, and I think every manager should do is, is job crafting where they should really understand what they're doing today and then have the employee explain to them how would they like an ideal job to look like, right? Have them write their own job description of this is what the ideal job description that I want to have, right? Now, they may not be there today and they may not be there necessarily even tomorrow, but that gives you an idea of what is the difference between what they're doing today versus what they actually want to be doing. Hopefully, it's very close to each other. You know, if there's a good 80, 90% overlap, you're in a good spot. If there is a big difference in what they're doing today and what they actually want to be doing, you know, then you have to have those conversations on figuring out whether there's a different role within the organization or within your team um, yeah. to get them to move on to. Because if not, they're going to move on somewhere else where they will get that job description. It also does another thing, which is very important, which tells the employee that the manager cares. You know, one mm -hmm. of the things that I think you asked me earlier was uh, what are the biggest causes for disengagement? And in most of the places, it's because they feel the manager doesn't care, you know, about mm -hmm. them. It's not necessarily always, in fact, most of the time, it's not the compensation. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily even their job. Sometimes they could be the job they really want uh, to be doing, but it's a feeling, feeling that whatever they're doing is not being appreciated. It really doesn't matter. The manager's not giving them feedback and not giving them time to have a, a, a discussion and it's always uh, you know go 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 and you know having that type of sense sense that you don't really matter mm -hmm. that can really disengage an employee so doing this job crafting exercise 
and then sitting with the employee, you know, you can have some really good outcomes from that. I love that. And that's a very practical, tactical thing that people uh, can go out and do right away. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career and lead a high performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at ramonashaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to ramonashaw.com slash one one to get started right now. And what you say about not being feeling like someone is caring and not really feeling seen by their manager, that also points out another issue that I think is really important to pay attention to, which is when a manager is disengaged and is not only one employee that is at risk, but then it's the ripple effect of that disengaged manager, which also increases the likelihood of the team members to be disengaged. Because a disengaged manager will not do those things, right? They yeah. won't be paying attention to behavioral changes. They probably make sure that, you know, product is delivered on time and deadlines are met and that the big chunk of work is tackled, but they won't do this extra work that people need and the recognition and the alignment on purpose and expectations. And I see that sometimes really, really impact an organization if they don't catch those things early enough. Yeah. And to be fair, manager has a difficult job because they are, yeah, when I say sure manager, I'm, I'm talking about the entire middle management spectrum, all the way from mm-hmm. a first level manager to maybe even a vice president, that whole management structure up to going up to the CEO, right? So right below the CEO, you have individual contributors, you have this 80% of the organization that's in the middle. That is a difficult job because you got to manage up and you got to manage down, right? A lot mm-hmm. of managers are really good at managing up where their executives see that, oh, this person is doing a great job. I love this. They're getting the results, but they're really driving their employees to death, right? Or they're really good at managing down where it's all friendly and happy family environment, but nothing is really getting done. <laughs> you know, it's very happy. And so their executives are really upset because there's the results, but they're having a great time as a team. So the managers really have a really tough job. So that's why I think one of the things that I think you do as well in, in coaching first-time first time managers is be able to, when you flip from being an individual contributor to a manager, being able to do those two jobs really, really well. It mm-hmm. becomes extre- extremely important because you not only have to manage up to keep you know the organizational outcomes in mind in terms of what the organizational goals are, but you also show enough care and compassion for your team to be able to know that you know, they know that you care and you appreciate their work and they're working on the right things. They're working on the things that matter to the organization and they're properly aligned. So that's very important. So the managers are very important in success of the organization ultimately, you know, because they can either really 
have a bad outcome on the top or have a bad outcome on the bottom. And neither of them is a good outcome for the organization. Yeah, 100%. You're really hitting the head on the nail because that is the tricky part. And it's a different skill set that you need to manage down than it is to manage up. It requires you to really stretch and adapt to the needs of the people around you. 100%. Great. Yeah. And I've had this situation a few times where clients would come to me and say, hey, we just ran an engagement survey. I'm going to share this with you. Um, They'll send me the results of what came out for their team or their department. And we'll sort of dig in to find out what are some of the driving factors that led to these results. When you think about this from a manager's perspective, who doesn't get the individual results, but only gets an aggregate, right? What are suggestions that you have for them in terms of how to read the information or what to look for when they get the engagement survey results? And then also what to do to surface some of these root causes that might be creating that outcome? Yeah, so it depends on how the engagement survey is structured. You know, in Engagely, we run an engagement survey called E10, which is our brand name for the art survey. And there are different components for that survey. And it's typically, you know, most surveys are very similar in many ways. But, you know, you talk about engagement to the job, engagement to the organization, and then engagement to their manager, to their, like, their manager and whatnot. So there are different aspects to that. So the manager has to really figure out which aspect is it that's affecting their team the most. You know, is it the fact that they don't like their manager, but they like their job? They like the organization, mm-hmm. but they don't, you know, they don't like the manager. Or maybe they really like the job, but they don't like, you know, and they like the manager, but they don't like the organization, what, they, what it's doing. You know, maybe they're not aligned to the organization's purpose. So really understand those elements. And that's just the first level. And the second level mm-hmm. beneath that is to understand what specifically what do they not like? Do they not like the fact that they don't get appreciated? Do they not like the fact that they're not in the right role and they're not getting challenged enough in their role? Um, they're not learning and growing. Whatever that is, right? You got to figure that, that individual component out and then really focus on that. So they're called the key drivers, right? So you got to do a driver analysis, which is a lot of tools to that. And driver analysis can be both ways, right? It can be the ones that are driving better engagement across the organization. So you want to make sure you don't lose that, but also the key drivers that are driving disengagement, and then make sure that you focus on that to improve the scores up the next time you do an engagement survey. So then the action items based on those driver analysis then becomes your goal as a manager or as a leader uh, whether it's for your team as a manager or if it's for your department, if you're a department head or your function, or if you're the CEO, that becomes your goal to really look at mm-hmm. those key parameters as well. So it does require a good engagement survey coach or a consultant to help you figure that out in more detail, because, you know, there are some best practices in that, that they can tell you about. And our tool, Engagely in broad sense, is, is really to address those best practices, right? If it's about yeah. learning and development, you know, you have, we have tools for that. If it's about recognition, we have tools for that. So it really depends on um, how you get uh, the details out of those surveys. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is broadly applicable is that when someone receives an engagement survey, to really use this data to uncover insights. And the data in itself may not be sufficient, right, to figure out what is actually underneath all of this, but it serves as a beautiful tool to go out and say, as a very effective tool to go out and say, either HR consultant or to the HR team and say, hey, I'd like to better understand this. You know, we've run this again in three months. I really want to see an improvement on my team. What do you broadly recognize? What other qualitative information that you have to, to sort of make sense of the data? then have a conversation with the team, 
debrief it and not shy away from maybe the uncomfortable or awkward conversation, especially when the things are in the orange or the red. Yes. But to use it and to, to talk about it and own it and say like, hey, that's not what I'm, that's not the result I hope for. And I want to make a change. Um, I take full responsibility for this and I'd like to better understand and I'd like to learn. Yeah, yeah. And a consultant can help with that, right? If you mm-hmm. if you if your HR is not trained in that, get a consultant who can really try to uncover and really present that and say where the differences are. You know, sometimes it may not be at a major level, because you can look at this data multiple different ways. You know, you can look at yeah. the data from an entire department perspective, but you can also look at tenure perspective. Sometimes somebody who's been in the organization for let's say two years is more disengaged than somebody who just started because that's the your honeymoon period, right? So mm-hmm. you could have somebody who's highly engaged in the first three months under the same manager, but somebody who's been there for two years under the same manager is actively disengaged or is quite quiet, if you will. So that is also important. So you can look at it by tenure, you can look at it by gender, you can look at it by different you know, DEI demographics, by maybe ethnicity and color and things like that. So there are different ways to look at this data to really understand where the gaps are. So just looking at it at aggregate sometimes can give you misleading results because the devil is in the details to understand really mm-hmm. which cohort is actually having this issue. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, it speaks back to you want to really use the, the data to figure out what's going on because no one has a crystal ball. And I think sometimes uh, we think, ah, I should just know <laughs> right? or I should be able to see or I should be able to figure this out. But it's so individual and personal. And for someone, it may be the flexibility. For someone else, it may be the job, right? For someone else, it may be a relationship or a behavior that's hard for them to cope with. So it can be really nuanced. And then again, like you said, it can be very different experiences for different groups in the organization. Yes. You shared with me earlier that you're writing a book. So as we, before we wrap up, I'd love to quickly talk about what's the main theme of the book that you're writing and tell us a little bit more about the concepts you're introducing. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to be brief. It actually came about <laughs> from uh, me reading the book on the areas where people live the longest. I think it was called the, the Blue Zones. Yeah. Um, and one of the areas is in Okinawa, Japan, where mm-hmm. they use this concept called Ikigai, which is basically loosely translated because there's no good translation in English for that is based on giving life purpose and meaning and joy. And I was thinking about, you know, myself and other people, I, you know, we, we work so many hours and our best hours of the day are actually at work, you know? So mm-hmm. that's where we really need an ikigai movement for people because you're spending your best hours at work. What can we do to have that ikigai type of approach to workplace? So I'm writing a book which says, hey, what are the different things you need to do to provide that employee an ikigai type of approach in the workplace. So there are three components to that. And it's, if you look at it, a Venn diagram, there are three circles. The first mm-hmm. circle is what do I like to do? Uh, which mm-hmm. is your employee, what they enjoy doing, right? The second circle is what they are good at. And it's not always one and the same. Sometimes somebody is really good at math, but they enjoy drawing. Maybe they're not very good at it, you know? And then the third part is what is valuable to the organization? So they could mm-hmm. be good at something and they could enjoy something but it has really little value from an organizational outcome perspective. An organization doesn't have any need for that skill or for that activity. So the Ikigai blue zone in in this case becomes when all three of them intersect. And that's the zone that you want a lot of the employees' activities to be in. And it varies from employee to employee. It varies from organization to organization. And the manager has to really figure out how do we get 
that employee as closer or within the blue zone as possible. So that's the concept mm-hmm. of this. So if people work in the blue zones, they will be less likely to quit because they will have a sense of purpose because it mm-hmm. brings value to the organization. They enjoy their work because it is something mm-hmm. they enjoy doing. And if they're good at it, then they can continue to get better at it and they learn and grow and they feel like there's progress being made, right? If somebody's not very good at it, they'll get frustrated. So that's the overall yeah. theme of the book overall and how do we really understand that. So I'm creating a worksheet that can employees and managers can work together on. And sometimes they are way out in what I call the red zone, where there's only one circle and none of the other circles intersect. And how do we move them from a red zone to maybe a purple zone where two circles intersect and then eventually move them from purple zone to the blue zone. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a concept of the book. Nice. And you really speak to sort of the core of my mission too with the fact that we're spending so much time in a workplace and the workplace is actually such an incredible outlet and and platform for us to meet our core human needs, not the survival needs, like the roof and in shelter and all that, although it helps with that too, paying the bills. But really this idea of having impact and contributing to something bigger than who we are, to have relationships and feel like we're included in social constructs and create meaning and purpose. When we create workplaces where people see that and they get those needs met, that's when we thrive. And there's such a huge opportunity for us to bring a lot more people into these environments. And like you said, that blue circle there. So love the book idea and the concepts and actually tying it back to the ideal job description that you mentioned earlier as a tool that ties right into it. Because I can imagine if you as a manager are listening and you feel like someone may be a little stuck in their career or they're unsure where they want to go, or you start to notice they're actually a little bit disengaged to say, hey, why don't we create that ideal job description and then let's look at the different components and decide, is this something, you know, they obviously want to do that. Otherwise it wouldn't be on their ideal job description, but is it also something that you're good at? If not, how can you learn? And then which areas of those are actually meaningful for the organization and which yes. may not, right? Correct. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you can move them into the blue zone because that's that yeah. is their zone uh, and then try to figure out what they're good at of that. And if they're not good at it, maybe come up with some training programs or, or development or experiences that can upskill them. And maybe that role doesn't exist in your department. That's yep. one thing that managers have to be cognizant about because a lot of managers like to talent hoard. And you really want to make sure that they are focused on the bigger picture and not be like, I really like this employee and I want to lose this employee. But if you're going to lose the person anyway, if you don't move that person into a, into a role, maybe in a different department where they're actually going to be more successful. And I think that's true leadership. It's being able to take yourself out of the like the immediate transactional experience from you're on my team delivering these results, but seeing yourself as someone who's helping another person grow in their career and get the best possible experience, ideally within the organization. But if not, you really can't control that because they're going to either quit or be disengaged, or you could find someone else who would see that as a perfect match. And that person could go elsewhere where they see their perfect match. And I've personally seen this in my own experience with having people on my team that were sort of struggling a little bit, not really enjoying it. They moved into a different team or a different organization and they were flourishing. And I thought, oh my God, if I had known that, I would have had this conversation way earlier. Because who am I to hold them back? Right? That's yeah, not what, a, what a waste of potential, yeah. right? There's so much yeah, potential that's being totally. wasted by not doing that. Yeah, so that's exactly. really optimizing the potential. Uh-huh. Exactly. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for, you for being on the show and sharing your experience. Um, obviously, we will link to Engage the in the show notes. Are there any other places that you would say, go check that out or connect with me? With you? Yeah, so, yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm usually very active. Uh, my name mm -hmm. is Sri Chalapa, but on LinkedIn, I think I'm Sri Kant Chalapa. And then there's another uh, product that we have on building mentoring within organizations called Mentoring Complete. So that's another uh, product that uh, I didn't talk about. But that's another great tool to explore as well for if you're looking into building a mentoring program in the organization. Oh, good. Good. Thanks for letting us know. So we'll drop all that in the show notes. Thanks again for being on. I appreciate you sharing your perspective on engagement surveys. I think this is something that's somewhat inevitable. It's managers will sooner or later to be confronted with that. And it's good to know what to be on a lookout for and what can actually be done to get those scores ranked up higher. Excellent. Well, thank you, Romana. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.